What's up, guys? It's your girl, WWE Superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hey, this is WWE Superstar Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening to The Masked Man Show. And you are listening to The Masked Man Show. And you're listening to The Masked Man Show. Welcome to The Masked Man Show. I'm David Shoemaker, and this is Dave Schilling. That's right. I'm already throwing up too sweet because this is, this this is, is going to be a too sweet episode. This has been a sweet week of wrestling. Happy birthday. We're recording this on Wednesday, uh, so it'll probably go up on Wednesday. So happy birthday today to both Brock Lesnar and Sami Zayn, who I just found out shared a birthday. I had no idea. They should feud over this, you know. Uh, you know what? I don't think Sami Zayn is going to be the guy to get that belt July from Brock 12th Lesnar. is my yard, like for my <laughs> backyard birthday party. <laughs> God. With balloons and clowns. That's going to be a pay-per-view name. Backyard birthday party. Um, that would be better than Great Balls of Fire. 100%. Wise. But what could be a better pay-per-view show itself than Great Balls of Fire? It was awesome. It was. It was. Um, we'll get into that in a sec. I just be, I feel obligated to touch briefly on, just because everybody's tweeting about it, on this Del Rio page situation up top. I don't have any news, and I don't have any, I'm not even going to pretend that I know all the details of what's going on. Do you have any thoughts on this? Uh, my only thought is, what a surprise. Who would have guessed that Alberto Del Rio was kind of a dick? Well, I think it's worse than that. I, I don't know. I just think that it's, you know, I don't, I don't want to rant. I don't want to rant about this. If WWE, I'm not going to put all, any undue amount of shit on them, but they are, they, you know, they are this sort of like, They've achieved a lot of success in this by being a over the very recent years by sort of positioning themselves as like a you know benevolent dictatorship. You know we're not going to give anybody insurance, but we'll pay for their rehab, that sort of thing. And I think that's great. You know they're not under any legal obligation so far to do that. I think it's bullshit that the wrestlers aren't employees, but that's you know kind of beside the point. For for some reason that all popped into my head when this when all this garbage went down, just because. You know, when all those wrestlers were dying a decade ago, there was this feeling that, like, well, they're not all our, for the ones that weren't employed, they're like, they're not our employees, like, not not our problem, you know? And I don't, I think this is, this situation with Del Rio and, and Paige is much less, is much more tertiary, but at the same time, it's like, if something bad happens, WWE should be interested in preventing it. Well, here's the problem, as I see it. The problem is with Paige, who is a WWE employee still. She's still under contract with WWE. Mm. As these things happen, they are happening to a WWE superstar. And they've said nothing about it. They've done nothing about it. What can they really do? Well, there's not much. They can't do anything. Yeah, they can't do anything. Well, they, they can't do anything. I mean, they can't do anything in so much as these are like consenting adults, right? But, you know... That there's no like, there's no intervention clause in any WWE contract. But you better believe if like Triple H and Vince could go back in time, they would have had an intervention with Scott Hall ten years ago. I'm just yeah. saying, I don't think they're under any legal or particularly moral obligation to do anything. But I sure wish that there was. And 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 it's silly that we're looking. I would even look to WWE as the solution to this. But it, I think we just wish there was something they could do because there's nothing anyone can do. Jeff Jarrett, 
and Global Force Wrestling have suspended Alberto Del Rio. Well, yeah, we should say that. He just won the championship at, at Bound for Bound for Slammiversary. Slammiversary? All and, the same. and they have, I think, a month of television in the can with him as the champion. So the suspension doesn't affect their television at all. They're still airing it. I don't, they don't have a choice. They can't cut it all out. They can't take the belt off of him at a house show because they don't do house shows. They can't take the belt off of him on a television taping because they're not taping right now. It's a weird sort of meta thing going on there because, yeah, you're right. It's like they're, they are kind of, wrestling is held to different standards. In some ways, the punishment is, uh, I mean, even if they outright fired him, it would be, well, I mean, it's wor- it would be worse, I guess, to, if it was happening in real time as a punishment. It'd be harsher, but at the same time, it's like, if it happens on TV, then it feels like a storyline. This isn't a storyline. Right. Anyway. Um, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know what to say. Let's talk about other things. Yeah, let's talk about Great Balls of Fire. Maybe the best paper, WWE pay-per-view of the year so far. Maybe. I'll just, I'm going to go back to that thing. I think not just for WWE, for all people involved in this sort of situation, second or third degree, it's not my problem is not an appropriate answer. Right. That's all I want to say. Um, anyway, Great Balls of Fire happened. It was awesome. It was awesome. Um, I was actually, I feel like I was wrong. Like, I will admit that I was incorrect here. Um, I thought that they were going to really have to just schmoz a couple of the matches to fit everything in. And really... It, for the most part, everything seemed to get the appropriate amount of time. There were some people who were saying Joe and Lesnar could have gone another five minutes with I some Joe k- finisher kickouts and things like that. Sure, absolutely it could have. I would have given Joe one more near victory. Um, the But I swear, Rowan, I mean, Brock Lesnar has a clause in his contract that any match over nine minutes counts as two matches or something like that. Like it, he there, he doesn't go that long. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and that's fine uh, for the most part because the last two matches that he's had with Goldberg and with Samoa Joe have packed a lot into a very short sure. amount of time. I mean, I used to always joke about um, like during John Cena's title reign, how they would, they would always do this thing where somehow like, a minute and a half into every match, he would end up on the floor on his knees, sweating and grimacing, and Michael Cole would be selling like the match had already been going on for half an hour. And they so they just kind of skipped Act One and Act Two of any, of every match. Brock Le- Brock Lesnar legitimizes that match to, that storytelling style because all he has to do is just like like throw in three Germans and we're already in the end game. Yeah, you know, like you got to fight back with everything you got. And he always looks sweaty. I mean, that guy sweats uh, too, taking man. a dump. Um, I was joking with uh, with Sean Fennessy, editor in chief of the Ringer, that watching them wrestle was sort of like, uh, like like when you go to the zoo and you like see two hippopotamuses and you're like, how do they have sex? <laughs> and then you like watch the you like you're like, I wonder how they're gonna do their moves on each other. It's just very intriguing. Yeah, and it was very uh, it was it was really cool, man. They it looked like it was such a good it was such a good match. It was so perfectly done. And there's no way to talk about the match. We're gonna run down the whole card, but there's no way to really talk about what happened um, there without talking about the fallout on Raw because I think the most, if I was surprised that Joe, I, let's say I was like B plus, I was like a solid B on an A to F scale surprised at the push they gave Joe up to Sunday. 
I was like B plus to A surprise on how good they let him look on Sunday. But I was just like, a, like I got an A double plus plus surprise on the fact that like he's still in the main event picture on Monday Night Raw. And cut the best promo of anybody in that ring. I tell you, since Joe, I mean, what is it about AJ and Joe? Like these guys come over from TNA and suddenly they can talk like they can talk like prime Shawn Michaels. Well, I mean, I think in Joe's case, being in NXT and working those programs he did with uh, Finn Balor, with with Shinsuke, helped him immensely. Uh, just learning the WWE style uh, of promo cutting. It's true. The, when you, we see promo class on like on Breaking Ground or whatever, it just seems like an utter waste of time like you'd be better served just like screaming in the mirror or whatever but obviously that's a little bit kayfabed and a little bit it's they're telling a story about specific people and almost always the story is your shit at your job right now you got to get better i'm sure that there's an element for a lot of these guys if you work outside of wwe for long enough from in ring and on the mic your breadth of talent is so great your breadth of ability not whether or not you're like top you know top 10 at something You've done so many different things. You've got all these skills. It's like having, it's like, it's like, you know, a basketball player showing up the NBA and suddenly working with the best shot doctor in the world. Now, like that shot doctor is not going to get me to be good at, at, you know, YMCA basketball. There's a limit. But like, if you take somebody with like this, this broad set of skills and he's just like, yeah, move your elbow in, just like count to three in your head. You got it. Like, like little things can help a lot. And I think that's probably what we're seeing with those guys. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, you, you hear old timey wrestlers always say, it's a shame that there isn't a territory system and you can't go and work a million different places and learn a bunch about the wrestling business uh, the way that you used to be able to in the 70s and 80s. But you do think about all the places that Samoa Joe and AJ Styles have worked from New Japan to okay. Ring of Honor to TNA. Like, it's not the territory system, but it is drastically different styles of wrestling, different different types of um, programming, and different different uh, ways to approach uh, actual wrestling angles. So they have a variety of different perspectives on how to make this stuff work. Yeah. Quick sidebar, uh, but this is but you know you you made me think of this. Matt Jackson uh, of the Young Bucks just tweeted that it's July and they and the Bucks have already cleared more this year than last year, which was which which was then their best year ever. You know what? Shouts out to the elite. I love all those guys, and they're not ruining wrestling. They're making wrestling better. That's all I have to say. Who who thinks they're ruining wrestling? Jim Cornette. But is that something? Did he say that this week or is he that says just it a all general the time. premise? He hates the Young Bucks. He hates Kenny Omega. Yeah, I mean, I know we talked about that last week or whatever. But, but one thing I want to say about Samoa Joe that I find so impressive is that he takes what is obviously the script, the words that are written for him by the writing team, because nobody, save for maybe Brock Lesnar or John Cena, gets to go off script that often. He takes those words and he makes them feel real. And that entire segment on Raw felt like an actual fight or the buildup to an actual fight between three very imposing, physically impressive professional wrestlers. And that's always been missing in WWE for, for years now. I, I, you said the word three. Yeah? Who am I missing? Well, no, you, that's what happened on Monday night. I think that it's... I, I you, think you're missing Braun Strowman? <laughs> 
Braun Strowman is 100% inter- interfering in the match next week. Oh, yeah. And we I have, can't wait. We have a we have the, the heaviest fatal four-way of all time. <laughs> Can we talk about the ambulance match for a second? Yeah, let's talk about let's talk about great balls. Let's talk about great balls. I mean I'm just I'm not I don't want you to edit this, Jim. I just want to say let's talk about great balls as many times as possible. Who's got greater balls than Braun Strowman escaping an ambulance covered in blood on his own so with, under his own power? What a moment. Just like the, sometimes the it's the little things that matter. Uh, they did almost everything right. The one thing that took me out of this, sometimes you just gotta, you just have to acknowledge. So I was just listening to this in a podcast and something about in some other setting. Sometimes you just have to acknowledge the weird thing just so you can move on. It's like, you know, sometimes you just have to acknowledge that one wrestler is a foot and a half taller than the other wrestler, even if that's not the gimmick, you know, or whatever. Just acknowledge that the revival are, you know, both like five seven before, and and that's fine. They're also badasses, you know. Yeah. They're great at what they do. Um, I guess then you can't have them standing on boxes and backstage promos and pretend that they're 6'3 or whatever, right. but whatever. Not talking about the revival, talking more about dudes I love like Finn Balor. Um, uh, who else does that? Who was I just watching? Oh, whatever. Um, anyway, the one thing that took me out of it is that somebody should have tried to drive the fucking ambulance forward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Maybe. That's it. Just like, hey, we tried to do it. How hard would it have been? They spent like a million dollars on this setup. How hard would it have been to have somebody get in the driver's seat and have the wheels spin well, just for one quick time out? Here's the thing. Here's how to rationalize that. If you move the truck, what if he's got internal injuries, he's got broken limbs, and you exacerbate the problem by jostling him so, around? So say those words out loud. That's all I'm asking. Well, that's that's Michael Cole, Vince McMahon... Michael Hayes not adding that element to the story, no, no, no. but it makes, that's, it makes sense. I think that's that's what you say backstage. Somebody move move the ambulance. We can't move the ambulance. <laughs> he might his body might being hit by, might be held together by pieces of, of the uh, Cisco truck or whatever that was <laughs> back there. That was a great spot. Let's take the entire card in reverse chronological order because that's what we're doing right now. Um, we that spot was really cool. It was the appropriate culmination of everything. They also fully let Joe bask, I mean, sorry, they fully let uh, Roman bask in the in being the heel, and again on Monday night, and, and Braun Strowman, I mean, how many times do we get to say this, with, with just completely literally, he walked away under his own power, which is the greatest babyface thing you can possibly do. Let me ask you this, though. Would you have preferred if he had busted open the door to the ambulance no because if he's going to be working relatively babyface, and again i don't think he needs to start hugging kids or anything but if we're kind of pushing it in that direction then the move is for him to show some humanity right also he's going to start losing matches now he's in the main event yeah so let that humanity be a thing this is this is a crucial time in the evolution of that character and you have to wonder how he's going to adapt his style to not just being a dude who squashes guys. And that's the thing that was that no one ever figured out with Goldberg. Was after Goldberg finally lost to Kevin Nash, what do you do? And Eric Bischoff couldn't figure it out. Vince Russo couldn't figure it out. WWE, when they had him in 2003, certainly couldn't figure it out. 
So does the creative team have a strong plan for Braun Strowman when he doesn't win the title at SummerSlam and he's not the champion going into WrestleMania? Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's good to think about it in terms of like the real world, right? Or the semi-real world. Like think about UFC. Um, We had a great Mayweather-McGregor promo or press conference yesterday. But like what what would Dana White do? If he had like this super charismatic, compelling, you know, magnetic fighter who just demolished his way to the title. Let's even say he's a heavyweight because people seem to care about that the most when it's really exciting. But then he gets there and he's just like boring and there's no more competition. They Well, I guess you just manufacture competition. I mean, they did that with Ronda Rousey, basically. Yeah, and then no, she, that's exactly right. And then she loses and then the mystique is completely gone. Yeah. Then what do you do? How does Ronda Rousey come back from losing two fights in a row? She doesn't. Well, she I guess basically he, I mean, the answer with, with Rousey is you can say, I mean, she, you know, they have months and months between fights. You hold her. I mean, she didn't fight again for what, nine months, a year? Was it more? I don't even remember. But and then you have the comeback story, you know, and that's compelling. And people help you out. You know, ESPN's writing articles, Sports Illustrated, like everybody's covering this. But the problem with pro wrestling is somebody suffers a tragic loss and they got to go cut a promo on Raw the next night and wrestle Heath Slater. Yeah. Well, I think the one thing that they can potentially do with Braun Strowman to keep him compelling and interesting and sympathetic to the bloodthirsty professional wrestling audience is every once in a while just have him destroy something. Just have him tip over a car or uh, you know grab a forklift and smash somebody. Just anything that reinforces how should, powerful he is. Yes, yeah. They should just have a separate a separate show. Just like a show within a show where it's just Braun Strowman versus, and it, he just takes on a forklift, he takes on a Mack truck. Like a strongman competition? What if the what if the what what if if he comes back next week and he doesn't interject himself into the title match? He actually just starts a feud with the semi-truck <laughs> that the ambulance crashed into. The first thing he says to Roman Reigns is, I am done with you. And yeah. then, then he moves on to the, the vehicle. Um well, let's we gotta we gotta keep moving forward, but just in, in like ten seconds, if that if it does turn out to be a four way at the SummerSlam main event, and who knows, they could go in a million different directions. How excited are you? I'm a I'm a ten out of ten. Excited. Really? Oh yeah. Six stars in the Tokyo Dome, if you ask me. Yeah, so Samoa Joe just makes everything so much better. Yeah. And part of it's that Samoa Joe is just fucking great and, and part of it's that he feels new and different. Mm-hmm. In a way that Braun Strowman, as great as he is, never can because he's not like he's more of a WWE guy. He kind of comes with some of that baggage. You know? Yeah, Samoa Joe has a benefit of being the indie hero. Yeah. And that pops a certain segment of the crowd. I was watching, um, I was trying to find old UPW video of Cena and Samoa Joe. If anyone listening to this has it, tweet me or tweet the tweet at Masked Man Joe. Um, I couldn't find anything really, right? I mean, I didn't spend that long, but there is some old video. There was like a, a news special on what it's like to be a wrestler and, you know, an indie wrestler or whatever in, in LA. And um, John Cena was the focus of, cause of course he was. Yeah. And Samoa Joe's like, they both started at the same time, roughly. Samoa Joe's in the background of all of these like training videos and stuff like that. And you can actually see why. Someone looked at Samoa Joe. The, the, the legend is that Jim Ross did, and Bruce Pritchard did, looked at him back then and said, you'll never make it, find another job. You can kind of see it. He looks mostly the same, but he's just like a little bit like skinnier face. And do- well, he, has the, he has a lot of hair, for one thing. He has this like giant like late night host pompadour. Uh, and then 
he just is a little bit doughier and just kind of looks like a guy who's going to be wrestling in a sleeveless t-shirt in a backyard for the rest of his life. You know, he, there's just not, he doesn't have that it yet. Um, John Cena has obviously gotten leaps and bounds better since he's been on TV. Um, but is pretty much John Cena. Like you can see it when you look at it back then. I mean, if you have the physique at that time, well, he's got a lot more personality when you're just like someone's putting a camera in his face than when he had, at first when he was coming out to the ring and being the prototype and it was so dumb. Right. That hair though, woo, that little blonde, it's not even a flat top. It's like a, it's like a piece of AstroTurf <laughs> on his head. It's incredible. He was full Dolph Lundgren at that point. It was. Um, all right. There's no reason to really talk about Heath Slater and Kurt Hawkins. Apologies to those two guys. Um, and apologies as always to Dean Ambrose uh, who wrestled The Miz and lost... Yep. Appears that this is over. Yeah, it seems like they're transitioning to Seth Rollins, which is not what I expected. Seth Rollins ate two pins uh, at the hands of uh, Bray Wyatt. Maybe the first guy ever to lose a feud to Bray Wyatt. And then go on to another feud. I feel like you had to fully lose a feud, yeah. yeah. And for a title. It's funny because I I, I internalized that as you saying, the first guy to ever lose a match to Bray Wyatt and didn't question it at all, (laughs) just started talking. Mm -hmm. Yep, correct. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, that wasn't much of a match. There's nothing to say. No, I mean, we did, of all the matches that got short, I was, you know, talking about some things were going to get short shrift or whatever, short shrifted, that Bray Wyatt versus Seth Rollins got the least, compared to what I thought it might get. Right. The least time. Um, and the a, other one was it was Big Cass and Enzo, which didn't need more time, but it was very, I mean, it, five minutes, just over five, it was, it, it had everything in there it needed to have. Maybe... Uh, you know, it was, somebody I was watching with said he should have just thrown him over the top rope again instead of going for the boot and the pin, which would have been, I think, maybe incrementally better, but it had everything it needed to. Yeah, I, I had said in, in our pre-pay-per-view episode last week, it's got to be a squash. It was a squash. They did the right thing. Uh, also, Sasha and Alexa, Sasha Banks versus Alexa Bliss, that was a shorter match. Uh, I mean, it was 11, 11, 12 minutes long. It could have been longer, but it was clearly just a setup for the rematch. And I thought for what it was, it was fine. Yeah. It was very entertaining. Well, it didn't live up to my expectations, although expectations are always based on the feud and not just the match. Um, Unless you are engaging in a 30-minute Ironman match for the WWE Tag Team Championship. What did you think? It was fine. I mean, I think it was was a hard-fought physical match. Matt Hardy ended up getting pretty beat up. Matt Hardy looked like... He fell off his skateboard and his face <laughs> skipped along the concrete for half an hour. Like someone uh, rubbed a cheese grater on his face. It looked so bad. It was like that one late Ric Flair WCW promo where he like bloodied himself. What? I don't even remember what happened now. But all I remember is that there was like like an actual. Oh no! He came to the ring with the head bandaged and then like ripped it off and bloodied himself. And there was like a flap of skin, like oh. fl- like, or it looked like it. I'll look that up on the network when don't, I get home. Don't even bother. Um, just take my word for it. There was a flap. Uh, and it looked like there was just like part of Matt's face was hanging off amongst all the blood. And then he worked a, a match on Monday night. That was the strangest part. Guys, intense. It was interesting man. that they didn't stop the Iron Man match. And I, it's clear why they didn't because there was 90 seconds left. And they were, I mean, if ever Endgame has a meaning, like that was it. He had to, he had to do a couple of things to cute, I mean, to trigger Jeff's kind of last last sequence. I like the ending. I think Matt's blood and the sort of weirdness of Cesaro being the legal man, but the but the announcers, at least from where I was sitting, didn't seem to be making it very clear that he was a legal man until he ran in. Um, 
there was a little bit of like the, of confusion amongst everyone watching. I think that not that the match was over, but that that's how they chose to end it. But then on the rewatch, it looks great. Right. Like it, you understand. It, I mean, that's not a that's not a metric they should be using, but you know, sometimes it is. Um, there were a lot more overall uh, people uh, feuds that went their separate ways after this. I thought that like. All, I think I thought that all of these matches, except for the IC title, was a setup for SummerSlam in some form or fashion. Um, it turns out that well, we don't know about Neville and Tazawa, although they they had a fun match. I I, I would I would like to watch them wrestle again. Um, but Bray and Seth are going their separate ways. Cass, Big Cass and Enzo seem to be going their separate ways. I guess they could bring Enzo back into this, you know, on Team Big Show. As as you know, we've kind of alluded to in the past, but Cass was doing everything he could to kind of be like, "All right, that was over." Like, yeah, I want to I mean, see Enzo sit out for a few weeks and come back right before SummerSlam, mm-hmm. and maybe work a match or something. Maybe not with Cass or a tag team match with Big Show, and yeah. Cass has someone else. I don't know who that would be, um, but I, I want to see him sell those injuries as much as possible. Um, got a couple of tag teams breaking up on SmackDown. We'll have to touch on that in a bit, but. Um, Cesaro and Sheamus versus the Hardy Boys. That that's done. Yeah, the Hardy Boys then got uh, basically squashed by the Revival. Yeah, don't don't overuse. Not the squash. Revival. Got, sorry. No, they did. They got beat up by. I meant to say uh, Gallows and Anderson. They lost to, and then they they got smashed by the Revival. I know. Made I, a shatter machine. Sometimes the most powerful thing WWE or any promotion can do is to is to very subtly look like they're giving you the thing that you really want, and then take it away from you. Uh, and then not deliver on it, but sometimes it just it hurts when you're not getting the thing you want. And all of that is to say, I was I was so sure after Finn celebrated with them, they crossed paths on the ramp for no reason, and then Gallows and Anderson came out. I was so sure we he was were turning heel that we were getting Bullet Club. Yeah. He still might. I mean, there's he no- still might, but then the but the, but the the revival coming out seemed to put the kibosh on. The Hardy. It seems like we're gonna have Hardy's revival now, right? Or we, or I guess we'll have a tag team turmoil match at SummerSlam. Yeah. But the but just I thought that the whole point was we're gonna have Gallows and Anderson and the Hardys, and then and then Finn was gonna come out to help the Hardys, and you know. I think it's gonna be a multi team match at SummerSlam. Yeah. I think that a lot of the uh, matches at SummerSlam are going to have multiple combatants in them. Because they want to fit as many people onto the sure. card as possible, and they're not running a seven-hour show like WrestleMania. So it might be, man. Watching watching great balls, watching great balls <laughs> on Sunday. Um, I'm just call it GBOF, GBF. Too close to global GWF. Um, but watching that on Sunday, it really seemed like we were like they were going later and later before the main event. And then I was like, is this match? Is this show going to go till twelve? Like, what's going on? Of course, they gave us a short main event. Um, anyway, so yeah, that seems to be over. Cesaro and Sheamus, who are they feuding with now? No one yet. Okay, we're going to have a tag, we're going to have a giant, a multi-team match, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, the Miz is feuding with, the the Miz is feuding with, uh, Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose is feuding with, I mean, this is a pregnant pause. Probably another multi-man match for the Intercontinental title. I don't know, man, the Miz coming out with the, with the Miz, the, the Miztourage? The Miztourage. I was trying to think of other funny names, other funny Miz puns. The Mizfia. The Miz. I don't know. Oh, the Mizafia. That's what you're trying to say. Like the Mafia, but the Mizafia. Yeah, that sounds like a Mark Henry joke or something, though. <laughs> He's the Miz father. 
Um, anyway, I'm still confused as to why Bo Dallas agreed to wear a suit for one week and then went full one man gang and then went back to like, like one man, like the one man gang. One man a, gang of Jace? Yes. That's what I was trying to avoid saying. <laughs> that part of it is weird. I almost like I don't mind them not wearing suits. I just kind of it's just weird that that Curtis Axel is wearing is dressing up. I think uh, I think it's over. I love it. I love that he's dressing like. Uh, oh no, it's incredibly over. Again, I just want to like complain about it and then let it be done and then never think about it again. No one's questioning that uh, Bo Dallas dresses like he's in the Disciples of Apocalypse. It's fine. I, let's let's move on. From I'm that. more concerned that Curtis Axel. Just got a makeover. Got this like you know fancy Hollywood makeover from the Miz, but he's clearly buying all his clothes at Men's Warehouse. Like yeah, they're ill fitting. Um, anyway, uh, maybe we're maybe that's a multi person match. You're right. It seemed like they were going their separate ways, but who knows? I don't know what else you do with. Uh, and maybe you throw Balor in there, make it a fatal four way. By the way, the post show, the talking, uh, the Raw talk, whatever after the pay per view was very very good. Shout out to Peter Rosenberg. Pretty good, Peter Rosenberg. Who's just the best at that job every he just has natural heat and uh sasha banks really shut him down oh yeah everybody but there was but that moment where the miz came out and just like went after renee was just like just to get her to repeat who like who he beat over i mean that was just <laughs> the miz is the miz is better at raw talk and previously talking smack than anyone i mean at some I point when his his wrestling career is over he's going to make a great manager or a great heel announcer he's he's awesome um, I'm sorry, I have to interrupt to say someone just, just slacked to say that Fabio was in the lobby. What? Yeah. Oh it, my God. I just peaked. Isn't it? On the mic. Not, yeah. not in my pants. Is, uh, yeah, it's not, that's amazing, man. How did he never do anything with WWE? <laughs> he did he? I don't think he needed to. Well, he, he should have, cause he might still be employed. That's true. I don't see Fabio taking bumps, man. That guy's too, no, del- I don't think he's he's take too bumps, delicate. But he just seemed like it would have been a terrible idea. Don't get me wrong. I'm just wondering how it <laughs> he would have been. A, uh, he would have been a good heel manager. Um, we think Braun Roman. We think we. I think we have a, fa- a four way coming up for the title. Um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of a lot of uncertainty. Bray Wyatt will have to find something to do. Maybe Bray Wyatt can recruit Big Cass. That can be a storyline. <laughs> What happened on SmackDown? That was a good pay per view. It was a very, very good pay per view. Strong pay per view. And I think that listen, everything that came before the main event was there was a lot of solid stuff. And Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns, they that match was beautifully booked. Maybe a little bit too beautifully booked because Roman Reigns, flew, when he speared himself into the ambulance, it was inherently funny in a way that I'm sure they didn't <laughs> intend it to be. I thought it was a really satisfying finish. And uh, Braun Strowman yet again outsmarts Roman Reigns. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's actually he's secretly the smartest guy in the company. Way smarter. Okay, obviously way smarter than Bray Wyatt, who's supposed to be the mastermind of the Wyatt family and can't figure out a way to win a match. I mean, Sunday accepted. Um. Also, there was a there was a report from I don't even I forgot who said it now that a reporter said that Brock Lesnar was really really happy with Samoa Joe. So we all were. It's fine. No, but like it's good. It's the Brock Lesnar stamp of approval. Oh yeah. You know, who's um, secretly fuming right now? Dean Ambrose, who has never gotten the Brock Lesnar seal of approval. That's true. A lot of people were comparing the Ambrose-Lesnar match from WrestleMania to that Great Balls of Fire match and asking why Brock Lesnar was so seemingly unmotivated against Dean Ambrose. I think, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Yeah, well, we can speculate another time.
Um, yeah, I don't think it necessarily had anything to do with Dean, with Dean Ambrose, but certainly, like, you can just see how someone like Joe, who has extensive MMA training and um, could legitimately hurt most people who work there, how that kind of gets, you know, Brock Lesnar's lather up it's his sweat <laughs> glands dean ambrose shooting. is a professional wrestler not a fighter and uh you know brock was training for that ufc match at the time so a lot of people have have said that's the reason why it didn't have as much much juice as it could have um but you know what did have some juice smackdown this week how about smackdown that was so good thank you so man neat. i'm a pro i'm giving you a raise um doubling your salary oh boy uh the, I just I don't think I've said this on the podcast before. Um, I was just talking about you know fashion choices on Raw, and normally I don't. Uh, I'm not a body guy like uh, like some people are. A lot has been a lot of a lot has been made of Jinder Mahal's physique. I don't want to talk about his uh, his you know pecs or traps or delts with yeah his back. Um, I do want to say. That his calves are way too skinny. Mm-hmm. He's clearly wearing the like the full like the sock boot to like cover this up. And I don't think this isn't a situation. I mean, it is partly a situation where he's just a dude who decided to not work. You know, he's an upper body dude. A lot of people are like that. That's probably some of that. But he has just like mutant calves. And I'm sorry because I'm ruining Jinder Mahal for everyone listening to this. You will <laughs> not be able to watch another match with Jinder Mahal without fearing that his calves are going to snap in half every time he takes a step. I think about Sid. Breaking his leg. It's exactly like that. I can't get it out of my head. It looks like he has prosthet- the, like the prosthetic pull with the shoe attached <laughs> to it on both sides. Oh, my God. He doesn't move much better either. Uh, but, but, yeah, it's so unsettling for me to watch. That's all I can pay attention to now. I, I often think about, you know, how like there's a you see a big fat guy like a dad. Yeah. You're big and fat and he's wearing a T-shirt and, and cargo shorts. Always and then, cargo he, shorts, and yeah. then the dad has like gigantic calves. Yeah, because he's got to carry around a lot of weight. With like crazy veins and stuff, and it's like if that guy kicked you in the face, you'd die. Yeah. And then you've got this man who is in better shape than 90% of the world. And he's got little baby legs. I'm not sure why, with all how to phrase this, with all that Jinder clearly does to take care of himself and make himself look great, would it really be that humiliating to like put some, like, to stuff some socks in the back of your (laughs) back of your boot to make your calves look bigger? Uh, you don't want to affect his mobility. He's already a little slow. <laughs> All right. Um, it is very, I think at some point, if I ever write another column, it will, a, a year from now, I want to look back or whenever the end of the gender Mahal experiment is, because it's not just about gender being champion. It's also just about like booking the WWE title as a sort of secondary or a special kind of a special event belt, but still it's a, it's basically the Brock Lesnar is champion model, except the WWE champion is on TV every week. Yeah, and this and the interesting thing is he's like wrestling first act matches against Ty Dillinger, you know. I mean that's a it's an interesting spot, and I don't hate it at all. It's almost like I'm watching an episode of Superstar, like back in the yeah. day, like Saturday morning WWE. It's like why is this guy getting a match against the champion? Oh, it's because it's just enhancement. And now we know why they brought up Ty Dillinger to the main roster is to be a guy who's over, just over enough to give the rub to someone that they are actually pushing. He's he's like the babyface version of Dolph Ziggler, but slightly worse because Dolph Ziggler would win a match every once in a while. Yeah. Um, I was watching with with my girlfriend, with the valet, um, last night, SmackDown, and um, 
I was trying to explain to her the conundrum of the New Day because she loves the New Day. And I was just like, it would be great if they just had, if the booking committee had, you know, a mind open enough to put any one of those guys or two of them into the the multi-man number one contenders match. You know, like in reality, it would be that way and it would be great for the show and everything else. They're also gifted. They're clearly getting an opportunity. They're clearly getting lots of camera time. It's silly to have three of your most talented wrestlers stuck in in the tag team division, especially when there's like no black dudes on the show except for them. Yeah. Anyway, I was trying to explain to her the conundrum of like how to decide who gets the push or like what, like I understand, I, I fully can understand what WWE's, you know, writers are going through trying to, you know, we, we have success here. We don't want to mess with it, whatever. Um, then she started deciding which one would be best and she couldn't decide. And I was like, yes, this is the problem. Like who, who gets the push? And she's very intuitive about it. I mean, she spent a lot of time with me, but she doesn't, she's not like a super, you know, smart Mark, but she'll just watch a thing and watch a pay-per-view match. And she'll say, Oh, that's sad the way that it ended. But, you know, I guess they're saving that guy for this thing. And just like out of left field. And I'm like, you're exactly right. That's what they're doing. You know, they're, yeah. they're, they, they, she understands booking intuitively. I don't know who the guy is. I don't know who the new, from the new day, but watching Xavier work that solo, that, you know, singles match was, was good. I still think it's Kofi. Kofi I, is the best worker of the three. Xavier is the best talker of the three. And that's an, that's a point that can be argued because they're all good. I think that the uh, yeah I think and then and Xavier, then Biggie looks like he should be a champion. Xavier can earn himself right. Biggie is the answer to like which of them is in the elimination chamber. Yep. If he if they're not going to really if it's not really a push, it's more of just like a an honorary. We're putting one of them in the in the main event scene. The answer to that is Biggie. Um, if you if if it's really someone who who's gonna be put in the position of potentially carrying the brand for a minute, that's I feel like that's Kofi. Yeah. And Xavier could be that guy too, but that's more of like a storyline. It's not a it's not just like a pull a name out of a hat or, you know, just push a guy, rock it on his back, whatever. Um, Nakamura and Baron Corbin. I mean, I knew they weren't giving us that match for free. That was obvious from yeah. the get go. And then they immediately announced the pay-per-view match. The, 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 um, another one of the valets ob- uh, or points was that Nakamura's interest is entrance is the best since the undertaker, which I think is probably true. It's either him or Finn Balor's demon entrance. I mean, even his regular entrance is pretty good. Yeah, I think Nakamura is just so out of left field. Like nobody would have, nobody would have, like you know, got out the legal pad at WWE HQ and they're just like violin music. Hear me out, <laughs> violin music, floppy weird dancing, strobe lights. If you put them all together, you know, it's like it's it's really strange. Yeah, it's like this is this is like modern art or this is like modern dance basically, as a ring entrance. Yeah, and, and pacing-wise, Finn Balor and Nakamura's entrances are very different, but both have that sort of like, I'm going to stop here and do this thing, and then I'm going to turn around and do this, and then I'm going to do it all to the beat of the music, yeah. and it's very choreographed, but They tweaked with ways. Nakamura's song a little bit. They took out like one of the refrains. Maybe it was just for the SmackDown entrance. Probably just to get him out there faster. Yeah. Um, and they got rid of that pyro thing, which shouts to them. I think they're cutting back on pyro for a while. Thank goodness. Thank thank. Because it was so obnoxious and irritating. Your drums are insane. Are uh, going crazy. Uh, we have a we have a multi person uh, number one contenders match for the women's title. Hmm. On the on the in the offing that didn't happen yesterday. I don't know how I feel about that. We just had a multi person match for ostensibly a number one contender spot, which was a money in the bank ladder match. They did twice. So we have all these women working together again, and. I, of course, this is this is addressed in kayfabe, 
but I want to say this anyway. Lana being in this match is ridiculous. Well, at least they pointed it out. That's yeah, the thing. I appreciate that they pointed it out, but still, it's just it cheapens the whole thing to me. Yes, she can't wrestle. No, yet. I think it's great. Put her in there. Okay, it's fucking fine. awesome. Anything with anything. Lana makes everything better. Mm. Um, I love Mike Bennett uh, or Mike Canellis f- feuding with Sami Zayn. Sammy's really good. Sammy this impressed per, the this hell is, out this of me. This is a great. This is a great mid card matchup. I hope it. I hope it. Uh, did they ever? They must have wrestled in Ring of Honor, right? I'm sure. I'm googling right now, and nothing's coming up immediately. Sammy is is one of the better actors uh, in WWE. Uh, I think it's probably because he's just basically playing himself, uh, like a slightly more neurotic version of himself. Uh, Maria Kanellis, I think, is a heat missile. She's going to do really well getting her husband yeah. over in WWE. Amazing stuff. And they'll they'll wrestle a fun match because they similar builds, similar styles. It'll be good. Oh, yeah, there's this Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens uh, and Bennett had a stretcher match um, in 2013. 2013 so yeah like Mike I, I remember that feud it was pretty people were kind of outraged the time that Bennett was getting the push and then it, immediately he sort of like fit the bill he's great um I like this total smack I like this total breakdown of everything that happened on Smackdown this is a real benefit to those who didn't watch the show although Smackdown is just a million times better than Raw just the, it's just two hours it's just it's just the it's, two hours. yeah well I, it's just I just when when Maria went backstage and talked to Chad Gable and he, he's like, is Sammy Zayn there? And Chad was just like, oh, you mean Sammy Wow Wow? <laughs> I don't know what that means. I'm deeply invested in this Sammy Wow Wow and like the whole conversation. This is a throwaway thing. Um, but it matters that it's just like, I just want, I'm watching. It's interesting to watch. Also, that cool thing they do on SmackDown, like once or is it once a show where they go to commercial but leave the picture and picture of the wrestling match? And they do it for every commercial break now. No, it wasn't everyone because when I was commenting on I was talking about it. And then after that, they stopped doing it. But why don't they sell ads against like live TV? It's live. They should do that for every ad break on both shows. It's an experiment. They're trying it on SmackDown. First. You don't change the channel. That's amazing. Yeah, and you don't know when to fast forward if you're watching it on. Uh, well, you know. Uh, spoiler alert: You know when because it happens during the commercials. Not it's, yeah, well, sure, but just I mean, show, they're just showing you the live feed. Nothing's ever going to happen. I'm sure at some point they'll like change a title during a commercial just to say they did it, but yeah. just to get you watching. But um, this title change is brought to you by Ford. Yeah, it's so great. It's like these. It's like the live reads they have us do, where it's like it matters because it sounds like it's part of the podcast, mm-hmm. and it's the people you're talking. I mean, it's whatever. It's the future, man. Uh, We're sp- there. The future is now. Also, uh, interesting. I found an interesting Reddit thread today about why about that interaction, and also, but went into wondering why why uh, American Alpha seemed to be split up. Gable seems to kind of be by himself for the past couple of weeks. Well, yeah, where's Jordan at? And the um, the joking, not joking, first response on this Reddit thread was that there was that they're pulling Jordan out to be revealed to be Kurt Angle's illegitimate son, and that's what's going on. Well, yeah, and this was what I wanted to bring up is because we've avoided the most intriguing question on both programs right now is who is Kurt Angle talking to? My guess. Well, wait, but t- I'm going to take a quick timeout on that. The most intriguing question is why are John Cena and AJ Styles friends? Um, because of the mutual respect. It's terrible. We were talking about this before the show went on the air. Just get, just don't do the backstage segment. Have them be at odds during the whole match and then have this handshake. Not this weird, like, we know it's coming. The crowd didn't even react to them shaking hands because they had just been tag-teaming together for, with, no, for, you know, with no problem for the past 10 minutes. Anyway, 
that was a fun match. I think Kevin Owens and Rusev should just they should just do like an entire season of ride along with them in a car together. <laughs> I that love was both great. of those guys. But you're right. Before we get out of here, let's talk about Kurt Angle. I think it's Vicky Guerrero. Wow. Because here's the thing, right? The idea is that they slept together and they they and they they uh, had a, a love child, right? Is that sort of what it seems like they're teasing? Is that he slept with someone and now he's professing his love to her? Uh, who else would you want to humiliate with this angle than Vicky Guerrero? You think they're going to bring her back from her, like, after she got an MBA and a good job, she's going to come back Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me, David. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Vicky Guerrero is awesome. All right. <laughs> One of the best heel managers of all time. I'm, be, I'm being facetious there, but she's great. She's a heat-seeking missile, too. You're excused for that Vicky opinion. Guerrero would be hilarious because then you also get to bring up Eddie Guerrero again, which they love to do on WWE programming. And the whole Eddie uh, Angle feud, Angle could say, oh, at WrestleMania 20, we had sex right before the match. All right, so, so, we, so, it's, so Kurt Angle has an illegitimate son. You're telling me that's the storyline. Well, what do you think? You brought up the illegitimate son thing. Um, I didn't necessarily catch that there's a kid involved, but I can see now. No, no, no. Now, now it makes sense. I don't think they've actually said that. I thought I thought that you were saying I don't I don't even know what is the great what what could they possibly be doing, and does it make it interesting to have more announcers involved? I think all someone was on on Twitter. I mean on on Reddit, the conversation immediately went to like the mother being Charmel because Booker <laughs> T because <laughs> I don't know bringing Charmel back would be a weird choice because um, then you think well because Booker T is there then they have to wrestle and they're not going to wrestle. I think the reason why it's got there's a woman involved is because this is all leading to Triple H and Stephanie coming back, and someone Stephanie can get physical with or yeah. to to work an angle with. And I, Vicky Guerrero can take a bump. Vicky Guerrero understands wrestling. I still think it would be really funny, and the audience knows her well enough. The whole idea of it being Dixie Carter, and I know people out there believe that WWE fans are all super smart and watch Impact, but we all know only 300,000 people watch Impact every week, and there's way more people who go to wrestling every week. And Dixie Carter was a big part of that show, but wouldn't say that she was a memorable character. So what? What's the who? Who pops for Dixie Carter? She can't cut a promo. She doesn't take bumps. What's the feud there? There's no feud there. So um, I, I totally am writing her off. Of course, next week it'll be Dixie Carter, and I will look like an idiot, and I will have to apologize, not just to Dean Ambrose. 300,000 people. Everyone. I mean, imagine, just compare that to the number of people that watched the other Dixie Carter on Designing Women back in the day. <laughs> I cannot find a ratings, like, quickly Googleable, but I'm just going to say that it was, that, like, 10 million people watch that show every week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, to see the just to just to under just to see what was coming next in the wild lives of the Butterfield sister. Wait, was it Butterfield? I don't remember Buttermaker, design. But, maybe Buttermaker. Come on, you're um, asking the wrong guy. Yeah. I was like six when that show came out. Butter Butterworth. There you go. Sugar, Sugar Baker. Baker. Oh, Linda Bloodworth Thompson is who she was the creator yeah. of the show. That's where I'm going. Yeah, friends with the Clinton family. Sugar Baker. Yeah. Anyway. No, 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 no. This this is a designing women <laughs> podcast now. Quit talking. Quit talking about wrestling. Uh, so, do you think that uh, it's going to be one of the cast members? It's going to be Annie Potts. Is is Kurt Angle's uh, <laughs> Kurt Angle's girlfriend? Yes. No. It's Meshack Taylor. Oh, Meshack Taylor is going to be revealed as Jason Jordan's father. That's R- what's going to R.I.P. 
He's um, sleaze. He's dead. I'm interested to see. I want to hear what you guys say. Tweet us with your craziest theories about what Kurt Angle is on the phone about. And then we will and then we will read them next week. I will remember to do this. So we'll see who got the closest. Two two closing thoughts. Yeah, remember this. One, this is a I know a lot of professional wrestlers listen, listen to this podcast. They don't. But if anyone's <laughs> listening and Vince McMahon or anyone in creative ever comes to you and they says, We got a great idea. You're going to be the illegitimate son of fill in the blank. You say no to that. Say no to that suggestion. I don't care what kind of WrestleMania push they're promising you. That's a terrible career move. Illegitimate children and the next generation version of a character. Like if you if someone says we want to do the new new blackjacks, don't do it. No, probably. LOD two thousand. Maybe you don't draws. tweet over that, but yeah, also a bad bad idea. Two, I'm just gonna my my theory just to start off this grant this theorizing is that Kurt Angle forgot to pay his cell phone bill, and he's just on the phone with debt collectors. That's that's what's going on. I love you. I love you. Please don't take my money. Um, apologies to Dean Ambrose, as always. Wait, I just want to shout out at Lee underscore Daniel 721. He sent us the sign. We got the sign. We got the I'm sign. I'm getting it framed. It's going to be awesome. That's great. It's okay. really like it's the hit of the ringer office right now. Everybody's jealous. Um, we'll see you back here next week. His calves are way too skinny.